just wanna, I just wanna get effed up and dance. This is our only chance. Happiness is fleeting. This feeling's way too good to last. Get effed up and dance. No future and no past. Hello. And welcome to Hollywood. I'm your host, Holly Solem. And today we have a very special guest. He is a singer, songwriter, actor, performer, musician, great guy. You may know him from a little show called Glee. I know him because I met him in real life. But his name is Samuel Larson, and we're so happy to have him today. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Do you remember how we met? I do, yeah. At a powhouse. Yes. Open mic night. Yes, at an open mic night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to host that for a second. Oh, yeah. I don't do that anymore. How come? Um, just became, I think my role in it became different than what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was... It was interesting. Like I always had to open up the night when no one was there, yeah. And then I wanted to host, but it was, it's it's all it's Powell's thing, and I'm proud of her that it's her thing. I just thought it was going to be more of a fifty-fifty thing, and I think I took like one week off or something, and all of a sudden I was kind of replaced longer than I wanted to be. I was like, oh, this isn't really mine asked. at all. You got which is okay. Fired. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I was like, okay. From your open mic night job. Well, we got to meet, and now yeah. we're here doing here a podcast. Then we became Instagram friends, and yes, now you're here. So thank you. We were just talking about something where I was. Oh, I remember um, your name. Christiana asked if you like to be called Sam or Samuel, and you said Samuel. Um, <laughs> it's what I prefer. I mean, I told my best friend that and he's like, whatever, Sam. But uh, if like I'm dating someone, I'll request that they call me Samuel because my first name is Samuel Peter. Um, so I feel like it's already a lot is cut off. But there was this incident in high school. I remember it was like the first day of like probably sophomore year and this like beautiful girl looks back this way and is like, oh my God, hi, Sam, how was summer? I was like, shut up, she's talking to me. I was like, it was really good. And she was talking to Samantha behind me. <laughs> and that sucked. That happened to me once. I got once. too excited. <laughs> Jared Leto asked for my phone number at Coachella. This was a really long time ago. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like 22. So I was like, yes, Jared Leto. And I gave him my phone number. And then he called me later that night, like when we were all at one of the after parties. And he was like, oh, wait, is this blonde holly or dark-haired holly oh god and i was like um, that is the most dark-haired holly and he was like oh i'm sorry wrong holly wrong holly <laughs> that's the most jared little thing i've ever heard I've, so i have a, i have yeah yeah have a funny jared leto story <laughs> he like he like pseudo wingmanned me from on stage like at the secret show forever ago i was like i had dreads at the time and i had like this you know, like the ribs of a skeleton shirt on. Yeah. And he was like, you, you're a beautiful man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. And then he looks at the girl that I was with and was like, is that your boyfriend? And then he looks back at me and he goes, she went, not yet. And that helped me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that one thanks time. Thanks for that. Well, that actually, I wanted to talk to you about this because you and I both started out as child models. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. You don't meet that many other child true, yeah. models how old were you when you I first like five started? yeah six, I was four seven. well yeah yeah and I think like coming to Hollywood and then obviously we both went in different directions and like got into you know music and acting for you and music but um I wondered if you feel like you've been objectified in life a lot just like leading with your looks or starting out with your looks I don't think it stemmed there. Um, I definitely feel like I've been objectified sometimes. Um, is, how do I answer this? <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, people assume all the time. They assume a level of security that you may have based off of, like, how you look. Or There's also, like, there was a long period where I didn't look great, to be honest. Like, I was, like drinking all the time and I was heavy and I was yeah. really not secure at all. Um, 
So I think I remember what it was like before that, and I remember what it's like now, or I know like, what it's like now. Did people treat you really differently of then? Of course. I could tell. Yeah. I could tell how I was being treated when I didn't, like, look my best, and I could see it switch when I started taking better care of myself, and I was like, that sucks. Yeah. I was like, I've been a good person this whole time, and <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very interesting. But, but th no. there's also, like... Yeah, the way you carry yourself is different when you don't feel good in your skin and you're like drunk all the time. So, yeah, very I think that there's something that must have something to do with it. Especially knowing like what I what I was before, like having been confident before and feeling that go away. Yeah. Like and, the pretty privilege. Yeah, and like in the back <laughs> of my mind being like, "Oh man, I remember what that was like and I'm not I'm not like that anymore." Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you um, come to Hollywood in the first place? Um, okay, so Glee was doing these like MySpace auditions. Yeah, what um, year was this? This was, this must have been, I was 17. When was this? 2009, probably, 2009. Um, I had like this thing where you submit a video, you like talk about yourself and you like do a song and uh, you have to submit it. And I just didn't believe in it. I was like, it's not going to happen. I told my mom about it. And there was like this one night where she was like, it's due today, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you can't go out with your friends unless you make this video. Here's my camera. So I recorded the video and I sent it in. I was like, nothing's going to happen. They gave you like a deadline of when you would hear back. And I didn't hear back. It's like, see, I told you. And then one day I get this random Facebook message that they're like, hey, this is Fox. We're trying to find you. I'm like, trying to find me. I'm right here. It's not that hard. <laughs> so I called the number and I was like, hey, it's Samuel. Larson and they were like oh my god they start like frantically freaking out I was like what is going on and then they put me up um I guess they gave me a like an instant callback for this one part so I went in and I did that um and I didn't get it but they got they gave me their agent basically and then I got some modeling agency out here like some boutique modeling agency so I was just driving back and forth for auditions and modeling all the time from where my, from Marietta uh -huh. I moved to Marietta when I was like 14. Do you know where that is? No. It's like next to Temecula. How it's far like, away is that? It's like two hours away. Okay. It's not very far. Um, but far enough for an old Volvo to blow up. I had an old Volvo yeah. too. I love them. Yeah. It's my dream car. Like it's just another one of those. Station wagon. Yeah. Super boxy. Yes. I think so they're dope. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I just kept coming out here for these things and like my car blew up and I was like, I gotta move there. <laughs> and it was like a Friday. We had some sort of casting for this um modeling agency and this girl shout out tesla she was like oh you're trying to move to la you can move into my apartment i'm never there i'm always at my boyfriend's and we can move in and that coming monday i did and that was it wow yeah and then what happened like how what happened with glee how did you end up on that show so i didn't get that part um that part went to cordover street shout out what's that um but they were basically like, it will come back around. Like we never tell people this, but like we will have more characters like you. And I was so not made for this role. Like I came in with like dreadlocks <laughs> and like 20 necklaces on. I never buttoned the bottom button on my button downs because I wanted like some stomach to show. And they were like, <laughs> can you maybe button that when you come back? And I was like, sorry about that. Um, and it was for a quarterback. Like the role oh, was wow. a quarterback. It was, it was like six of us left. And I'm like, I'm not getting this. Yeah. Um, but they told me like just hang out like something will happen and it was like a year later i get hit up for the reality show the glee project and i was like you gotta be kidding me you want me to <laughs> i had just done like american idol and i was like you want me to do another reality show i was like there were six of us left now you want it they're like don't worry we won't throw you in at the beginning we'll throw you in when there's like 200 people left i'm like 200 people yeah oh it was man six of us <laughs> still a cattle and they call. sent me this fat contract and um i was like i'm not doing it i was i was like angry about it and then the deadline for the contract came. I was like, what am I going to do? Not try. I was like, it's too late anyways. And I looked at the address where I had to send the contract to, and it was like two blocks away. And I was like, well, that has to be a sign. So I signed it, and I walked it over and put it in the mailbox. And then that was it. Rest is history. Definitely went in with like, okay, I have to, I have to get this one. Yeah. Because I had just done American Idol. I was like, what am I, just the reality show hopper? Like, I can't yeah. do that. I didn't do you feel do like your life changed a lot from that oh yeah like did, like how what happened did you feel famous like <laughs> yes um <laughs> did your ego explode no really no never um well not any bigger than it already was yeah um 
I definitely believed in myself, but I've always had this insecure edge. I've always had this romanticism with being insecure. Is it insecurity or is it like humility? It's both. Yeah. It's definitely both. Um, like I know my limitations and I know how good I want to be. Mm-hmm. And that humbles me. Right. Because all my favorites are the greats and I am not them. And that humbles me. You're always striving yeah. to do better. I'm always pushing it to the edge. So I know there's a limit there. So I'm not like, oh, I'm the best. I'm like, I have a limit and I want to push it, but I'm not I'm not as good as I want to be in, in my fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I try. You're not Lenny Kravitz. No, I wish. That would be awesome. <laughs> He well, always comes up on this show somehow. Yeah. Does he? <laughs> yeah. We'll hang out one day. One He'll day. He'll love my questions. I know all the, the Lenny, questions. Lenny, if you're watching this. Yes. I'm your biggest fan. Biggest fan. Seeing you fan. six times live. I love you. <laughs> um, what would one of your questions be to Lenny? I would want to, I think his circus album is wildly underrated, and I would want to ask him about songs on that, like Thin Ice or Don't Go Put a Bullet in Your Head, or I'd want to know like what he was thinking when he made that album because like the imagery in it. The production of it is so awesome and it's criminally underrated and when people even bring it up like beyond the seventh sky like it's i feel like these are typical songs he played live i want to hear about the songs he never played live and like why'd you choose a drum machine for that song and oh, you want to go in deep you're yeah. a true fan okay. oh yeah yeah sorry <laughs> you like opened up the creative process you opened and, that one yeah up. the lenny can of worms um but, but the famous thing yeah. i wanted to touch on that really quick because what was scary about that was like i it was overnight yeah i remember going to the grove you know the barnes and noble at the grove yeah. was up on the second story I just needed a new moleskin, just a typical day. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was just like a mob of people. No way. Yes. And like the manager got mad at me. He's like, what are you doing here? If you knew this was going to happen, I was like, this is the first time this has happened. And I quickly realized, don't go to malls. I couldn't go to any theme parks. Figured out I could go to Disneyland if I painted my face like a cat or something, a tiger. <laughs> I could get away with it. So um, people, if you ever see someone walking around with tiger paint on their face, they're probably famous. But that was humbling too because that I felt that happen for a few years and I felt it go away. Wow. So What was it like when it went away? Um, truly humbling. Yeah. Motivating. Oh, okay. So it didn't make you want to retreat or give up. You were like, Never. I want to get back there. I've always had this mentality of like, this is a, this makes it for a better story yeah. in the long run. It, it totally you know? does. Yeah. This can help someone else in my shoes in the future. So, I mean, a lot of the reason I asked you to come on today, aside from like, you're super talented and awesome, but I love to talk about, um, you know, real shit on here, like addiction and recovery. Yeah. And you are very open with your recovery process on your social media and um yeah that was i noticed it and that's part of the reason i reached out and so i wanted to ask like do you think having this sort of overnight fame fed into your addiction did it make things worse or were you that's an interesting question i mean i can look back at my life and notice my addiction when i was like a five-year-old like like, how? like um my overly obsessive mind and my inability to accept things. Hmm. Um, I always go back to this one instant when I was like five, six, I was playing with my best friend across the street, we were playing hockey, and I went to slap shot and I accidentally slapped him in the face. Oh. And I remember getting this overwhelming feeling of like, uh, I know I didn't mean to hit him, but if he believes I did, like that's it, that's all that matters. Not the truth, what he believes is what matters. And I was just like, dude, I'm so, so sorry. Are you still my best friend? I was so scared. He's like, dude, of course you didn't mean to do it. But I went home and laid in bed and obsessed over it. Like, what if he changes his mind though? What if he wakes up tomorrow and feels differently and I lose my best friend? Not living in acceptance. And I think that was alcoholism for like a little kid. That's super interesting. You know? Cause that's the same thing I would do in my twenties. Yeah, you know? I guess I would do the same thing. Yeah, I'm also <laughs> remembering a time when I threw a sucker at my best friend. We were like acting out a scene and she had stolen my boyfriend. I mean, I was really little. We were both little. And I got really into my character and I threw the sucker at her face and split her lip open. <laughs> but it wasn't me. It was my character. Right. 
And I felt so bad. I still feel bad about it. I still yeah. think about it. I'm still worried that she's mad at me. Really? So, so what long ago. Same. She like totally forgave me right away. She was like, oh, you didn't mean to. But you obsessed. But I still obsess about it. Yeah. I didn't realize that was addiction. I, I believe that's because <laughs> that's the same thing that, that I would have to soothe later in life with bigger things. Yeah. Same behavior. I would get in arguments with my parents when I was a kid. And they'd be like, everything's fine, Samuel. We're over the fight. Just go to sleep. And I'd go to my bedroom and be like, no, I don't feel like it's right. And I'd go back and be like, I just need to make sure. Like, we're good, mm, right? You like, can't Samuel, let shit go. crying out loud, we're fine. And I would keep going back. They tell me about this even now. They're like, it was, it was annoying. I was like, well, I was sorry that I was a kid alcoholic at the time. I couldn't <laughs> accept it. I was like, I didn't believe it. It didn't feel right. I wasn't living in acceptance. Like, I wasn't taking your word for it. My mind was... was Did you have some me. sort of abandonment? In, in your childhood that made you feel like you wouldn't be forgiven? Um, no, it's not that I wouldn't be forgiven, I, but I, I have sourced my my fear of being ousted. Um, that's a good question. We can unpack this. It's um, <laughs> I have two siblings. Um, they're much older than me, and they're, they're my half-siblings. They have a different dad than me. My brother's 17 years older than me. My sister's 10 years older than me. And they were the coolest freaking people I had ever met. Like my sister was just this beautiful, popular girl in high school. I'm like six, she's 16. My brother's in his 20s. He's just like muscular and tattooed, smoking cigarettes. I'm like, that's my brother. That's the coolest freaking guy I've ever seen. But they would go visit their dad and I wouldn't be included in that. Or they would have to have discussions with my mom away from me and my dad about things that their dad did or things that broke their heart. And I felt very ousted by my own. Mm. It was like half the time they embraced me and the other half of the time they wouldn't, or it felt like they wouldn't. And then there would also be times where it was like, I was their brother behind closed doors, just brother. And then we'd be in public and they'd be like, oh, you guys look a little different. What's that about? And they'd be like, oh, well, it's my half brother. I always felt like, oh man, I'm not fully included here. Mm -hmm. And they're my own. So I always had this fear of losing my own, of being ousted by my own people. And I think that's a lot of, trauma came from that yeah like if i don't know you and you don't like me that's great but if i know you and you get close to me i have this fear that you're gonna that it's gonna go away right like you know? change someone's gonna change their mind or they're going to be included yeah. yeah you're gonna yeah. get left out of your own people My own people yeah. so how do you think that manifest so this manifested in in addiction i mean obviously there's more than just this one specific totally. example there's like a bajillion factors that go into totally. creating a human grown person yes. but when did you like what was your drug of choice how did it all start alcohol was definitely my drug of choice it's the best it's your dealer is everywhere yeah and you can do it in front of your family did it feel like the solution like oh, i found my yeah thing my whole life i was always looking at other people being like man you're not overthinking things like me you're not like you you have your eyes forward while i have my eyes forward and i'm also looking at everyone's I reaction i have felt that way my whole yeah. life too like i cannot just chill i cannot let things go i'm just obsessing 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 mm -hmm. do you do you find yourself looking at like are people looking at me a certain way are they thinking about me a certain way are they judging me I tend to think thing. of like every possible outcome of every situation mm. and obsess over like, you know, it's hypervigilance, like everything that could possibly go wrong mm -hmm. and like plan it out and plan what I'm going to do if it does. Yeah. If A happens, I'll do this. And if B happens and C all the way to like Z and beyond yeah. because I am insane. And yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I remember... I think I was maybe 18 and I'd realize I'm like, oh my God, it has it been like so many years since I ever thought, what is my opinion about something? What do I think about mm -hmm. something? I'm always worried about what is going to get me the result I want from other people yeah. to make them happy and not oust me so it's, I can keep them. It's like people pleasing, which is also manipulation yeah, at its greatest. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's like people might like you, but they won't respect you. Right. And like, I know this from like, I have, I have friends that I'm like, that guy's an asshole. And he doesn't care. And I respect that. Yeah. And that's more attractive to me than if he was trying to make sure I'm good and looking at my reactions all the time. So I try to do that more. I try to look for respect more than if you like me. Right. You, you can get to like from respect, I feel. Well, also, it's like 
I'm realizing it's boring to just be liked. Not everyone can like you. It's just not possible. Yeah. The more sort of um, polarizing I've become as like a writer or whatever, it's definitely more fun and yeah. more interesting. And I'm just now figuring that out, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I'm just figuring that. that out, and I'm 41, so yeah. it takes a minute. Takes You're a minute. ahead of the curve. I, thank you. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> um, I've always hung out with people a lot older than me. Probably because the older siblings. There you, oh, wow. Good yeah. connection. I didn't think of that. My brother is 10 years younger than me, so we had a similar, like, thing mm -hmm. where he was, you know, six, and I was 16, and I was, like, gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's not an alcoholic. Good for him. <laughs> I know. My sister's not. My my brother is. My nephew is. So many people in my family are. Yeah. Like 10 people. And it's like, Everyone. of course it's the Mexican side of my family. <laughs> I'm not shocked about that at all. I have both sides of my family are alcoholic. Yeah. yeah a lot. A lot of addiction going yeah. on. Did that make you feel less judgmental of yourself to realize it was in the blood? I didn't even realize that I had a problem for a really long time, which is insane because I was like drinking in the morning when I was like 16. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just thought, this is what grownups do. Mm, okay. I want to be grown up so bad. And this is what all the grownups I've ever seen do. Maybe mm -hmm. my parents weren't like drinking in the morning, but it just seemed like this is how they lived. Like this was what it was to be an adult was to just like party all the time. But Interesting. my dad's in a band too, so that's you know. It does come a with the culture. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> but so when you were like, let's get into like your worst, if you hmm. don't mind. Sure. Like what did that look like for you when you were in your darkest, deepest place? Oh man, my heart just started pounding. Oh no. <laughs> it's uh you know what's really interesting is like I don't know why this came to my mind, but it's like at the time I just hated myself so much. And now I can look back at that version of myself and I can look at it and be like, I love you, man. I love you. Why do you think you hated yourself? Um, I've always had a lot of people believe in me. Everyone really believed in me. I had dreadlocks in high school and I was like campaigning for the superlative of best hair. <laughs> and I didn't get it, but then I got most likely to be famous. And I didn't even know that my peers believed in me like that. I had no idea. That was a big one for me. My family always supported me. My friends always saw something in me. Everyone always believed in me. And that was great when it worked, when I was on TV every week. And it was like, see, I proved them right. People pleasing again, not for me, for them. Mm. And then when I started, um, like, just drinking really bad, like, of course, it wasn't that bad in the beginning, but it got really bad really fast. I just kind of felt like I ruined everything. And like I was letting everyone down and maybe I was up here and I was just gonna ride it down as long as I could. When was this? Like what point were you at in your career when you started drinking every day and things got out of hand? I was 24 was when I had the first thought of, I, I have a problem. Mm. Um, with acting, it was never like an issue because I care so much about the work. And it was like, even if I'm playing a drunk, I wanna be playing drunk, not being drunk on camera. Yeah. When I was 24, I signed with Rock Nation, and being a musician is different. Yeah. Because you could get a bottle in a bag and wake up from a blackout and have five amazing ideas and be this egotistical version of yourself that's that I thought my managers liked. Do you think even like this was, you know, what, like eight years ago? I feel like things have changed in the music industry. Yeah. Like that was cool yeah. then. And even... It hasn't even been that long, but it's like a totally different thing now. Yeah. People don't do that in no, sessions anymore. They really don't. Yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah. It helps me now. Yeah. But at the time, it was like a party trick. Like, I really felt like my managers were like blown away. They're like, this guy's so cool when he's under the influence. And like, look how much he can handle. And look at the ideas he's making. Like, because my ego was just that people pleasing went away and I just made what I wanted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, do you think they sort of enabled the behavior? A little bit, yeah. 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 Yeah, and then, but gonna... they didn't know. I don't think they knew that I had a problem. I think they were just like, oh, Sam's hella funny when he's, well, I'm from NorCal, you could tell. <laughs> Sam's hella funny when, I, when he drinks a bunch. And they had sponsorships there, and they would just bring bottles around. And it was, I mean, it worked for a while. It wasn't like I was just a, a shithead all the time. Like, it worked for a couple of years. And it wasn't until I quit that contract 
But all of a sudden, I didn't have any sessions. I didn't have a studio to go to. I just had my drinking problem left. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that sucked. And then what did that look like? Um, I had made a friend during that deal. Um, he played guitar in my band. I played like drums and bass in his band. And he was sober. He was sober for a while. And he would hang out with us till four in the morning while we were getting wasted sober. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like maybe the like the seventh day in a row, I was starting to drink at like 11 a.m. And I was kind of, I remember looking at the bottle and just being like, I have a problem. I should call him. And I called him and he was like, let's go to a meeting. And I went and I was like, I'm not, I'm not like this. This isn't me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, we're good. And I went back out and I kept going. And then like a couple years went by and I was like, this is getting worse. This is so what was bad. happening? Well, I would just, I would. Was it, it physical? Was it everything around you? Was it your relationships? Well, that, like that same kid that was obsessing about if I hurt my friend and what they thought of me, like I would do things when I'm drunk or I might get, um, I don't know, like, I don't want to say aggressive, just aggressive, like with my ego. Mm-hmm. It was either the guy that was like, whatever, I don't care. And then I would be like, oh no, I care too much and start crying. It was either or. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know if, I mean, different alcohols would do different things to me. Like tequila would make me the most egotistical me. And like, if I drank too much scotch, I was going to cry. I was going to get (laughs) emotional. And it's worth mentioning that there was so much um, romanticizing like the tortured rock star lifestyle. Totally. I just can't help it, I have an addiction. I just can't help it, I'm just so in love, I can't help it. I'm tortured. And that's, and the love addiction as well, they were best friends, my love addiction and my alcoholism. Yeah, I wanna talk about that, because that's super interesting, and I don't think it's talked about publicly that often, Mm -hmm. like sex and love addiction. How do you, when did you come to realize that was part of your issue? Mm, um, I never thought it was an issue for a long time. I just thought I was different than others. I was like, you're not willing to commit like I am and you're not willing to go through the ringer like I am for love. Again, that romanticism. So you and were was more that- on the love addict side. For sure. Relationships. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, definitely, like, I'll stick, I can stick around because I don't want to, like, I've never been the type that wants to sleep around. I've had moments of that, and it it emotionally breaks me down. Like, I really want relationship, but, um, but the sex would keep me around longer than I should be. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, The validation, but. uh, Yeah, validation. Yeah. That's, like, the key word to what that is. I think it's, like, a validation addiction. Totally. Yeah. Well, like, I mean. Like when I was 26, I um, my drinking problem was really bad. Um, like my brother, I remember him just telling me, he's like, dude, you're freaking yellow. Like I can tell something's up because you're just yellow. And I was like, yeah, I know. And um, I hated myself. I felt like I was ruining my life. I felt like I was ruining all the potential I knew I had, all the talent I knew I had, and all the belief that everyone around me had in me. I was ruining it. And I felt like anyone that met me, they were better off not having known me because I was just gonna bring you down. I was heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, I would tell myself every day, I hate you. I'd wake up and be like, oh God, I freaking hate you. You're That's my least so favorite person. It is. Um, and then I remember I booked this movie and it was like, the it was a great project to get because it had such a, like young fan base around it. And I was like, finally something that's like not Glee. Yeah. It has a fan base yeah. and I needed that. But I remember getting the part and they were like, can you be in Atlanta tomorrow? And I was like, yes. And then I hung up the phone. And I was like, oh my God, I have a drinking problem. I'm not ready for this. And I was so lucky. We did like 12 days of rehearsal and I like really just sobered up in that time. But as soon as we wrapped or as soon as we wrapped for the weekend, it was like, I was chasing it again. Yeah. Badly. Um, I would do the same thing. I was on a TV show for three years and it would be like, you know, while we were filming, I'd be, you know, I was writing songs for it too. So I'd be like in the recording studio on set, white knuckling, mm-hmm. like I'm sober, I got mm-hmm. this. And then the second that I'd have a couple days off, I would just go fucking crazy. I would like go on benders and like not even know where I was for three days. Yeah. I'd always be the last one. <laughs> and then I'd be like, but I'm pulling it off. I'm successful. I'm on a show. I'm making money. I got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And it worked kind of for a minute. It, it, I mean, it saved my life for a minute. Yeah. yeah. But because uh, I, I was like, oh, this must be what everyone else feels. Yeah. They're not worried about it, anything. This must be how it's like. 
And I remember for the longest time, my excuse was like, I just want to feel good. What's wrong with that? Like, I'm just trying to feel good. I don't get, and this works for me. I don't get what the issue is. Like, leave me alone. Um, Were people around you like calling you out on your drinking while you were working? Um, mm, not while I was working. Um, there was things I was noticing. Like we'd go out with the producers and everyone would slowly start going to sleep and then it would just be me left <laughs> one guy with one producer and he'd be like dude i gotta go to bed bro. oh my god I'm like, oh totally god, i'm so glad good. we didn't know each other then i was like the same i'd yeah. be the last man standing i'd be like yeah. inviting uber drivers to come into my house like i just need somebody totally. to drink with not no not not a good look <laughs> not um, a good look <laughs> but i basically i got back from shooting that movie on my 27th birthday and I had two dreams in my head. I want to get married and I want to be a successful artist and nothing else in my life matters. That's it. That's all I want. And I was like, but who wants to date me? I freaking hate myself. Were you I single have, at the time? Yes. And I have a drinking problem. And, uh, and then I came back and I found someone. And, um, <laughs> but it saved my life again because like, here's this person that's willing to tell me she loves me and believes in me. And I couldn't tell myself those things. Mm -hmm. And she related to what I was going through. So as much as she saved my life, we were very bad for each other for a while because we were like, we're going to get clean together, and that didn't happen. So you were also dating other addicts. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was really fun for a second. So fun. <laughs> so fun for a second. But uh, then it became fun with problems. Yeah. And it became just problems. Um, yeah, it just got so much worse. I just, uh, I mean, I love this person. They weren't being completely honest with me about a lot of things. But it's more like I didn't need to stick around. I saw the signs. I just mm -hmm. ignored them because I needed to hear that I was loved. And I, and I did. I loved this person. And I wanted to, I just wanted it to work. Um, then I started having like really bad health problems, which was scary. Um, what kind of health problems? I was like, I would throw up blood and like past blood a lot, like sometimes four or five times in a day. Oh my gosh, um, and so young too. Yeah, so really young scary. for that to be happening. And it would not scare me if I was on the other side of a bender. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I did go pretty hard. Right. It would be when I'd be like, I'm gonna be clean for a while and I'd have five days and then it would happen. I'd just be like vomiting blood all day and I'm like, what the hell is that going is on? so scary. It scared the <laughs> shit out of me and I'd have to go to the ER and I'd have to call my girlfriend and be like, can you? you come with me? I'm pretty scared right now. Um, and then they'd be like, oh, you're fine. And I'd be like, oh, we're fine. They would just say you were fine? They yeah, they'd wouldn't... give me like a blood test and be like, yeah, you're good. Like, maybe just take it easy. They So you would tell them, like, I've been drinking. And they'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, it's just from this bender? No, they wouldn't say it's from the bender. They would literally just, like, check my blood and be like, well, you're not, like, losing too much blood. I think you're fine. How did, but like, isn't puking blood like really not normal? <laughs> I know, I was shocked too. <laughs> I do remember like throwing up bits of stomach lining so gross. Yeah. <laughs> and just being like, oh, because I haven't eaten in like five days. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'd feel really guilty about it and I couldn't live with myself. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had that thought too. You're like, well, if I'm just going to end it, I might as well go out on, go a, bang. Out on, a, on a bang. Yeah. yeah. And then during the bang, I'd have some white light moments. Like, no one wants to be more sober than someone that's, like, really messed up. Like, you know what I mean? You ever yeah. been, like, super drunk and you're like, I'm going to do it this time? No, I never wanted to get sober until the, till the day that I just mm -hmm. did. Till Fair the enough. day that I was like, ah, that's it. I'm done. But, I mean, gotcha. you know, I, I wanted to with for a, a long time. broken face. <laughs> yes, I remember that. My yeah. vanity is the thing that kicked in. No, it was more than that. that but. Yeah. So you did want to get sober. Yeah, I wanted to get sober for a long time. I just couldn't do it. And you would like try and just... I didn't get it. Um, I'd have like moments of it. Um, I remember, uh, and this is jumping forward in time, because I, I had a first sponsor and then I got in four and a half months with him. And uh, he's the one that was like, I think you have love addiction, bro. I don't have that, but I think you should check that out. And I was like, when's that? He's like, I can't really speak on it, but like, I'm seeing some things you should probably check because we, we had done the fourth and fifth step. Yeah. And, um, and then I relapsed. And uh, so then I got this other sponsor who's still my sponsor now. Shut up, Bentley. Love you, bro. Um, <laughs> but I I remember I had, I had like a month and I was like really about it. I was like, I do not miss drinking. 
oh, I'm so over feeling like I'm dying all the time. But it would still take me hours to get out of bed. And I remember I called him one day or FaceTimed him. He's like, dude, you look down. What's wrong? It's like, well, I'm really happy I fixed my drinking problem. But like, I, I still have this like obsessive mind and it still takes me hours to get out of bed. And like, I'm just to like psych myself up. And he was just started laughing. He's like, dude, that's your alcoholism. And I'm like, what? He's like, dude, that's the same problem. That's your problem. That's the whole deal. And I was like, you got to be kidding me because that obsessive mind I've had since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's just my deal. Like, they can't fix that in the rooms or with the steps. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I fixed that. But like, I got this thing. Right. Like, so you were still of the mindset know. of like, once I get the alcohol gone, I'm good. I'll be good. No, I, I was like, I'll fix that problem. I have this whole other problem that no one knows about and mm. I don't know how to fix it. And I've had friends even tell me like, it's got to be exhausting to you. You just overthink everything. And when I told him that, and he was like, dude, that's the same problem, it, I was so happy. It's one of the happiest moments of my life. Yeah. Because I didn't, I realized I could fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the first step is like realizing what the problem is, and mm-hmm. and then you can work on it. Yeah. So when he said, I think you're a love addict, like, what did that mean to you? Or did he explain what that meant? Did you know anything about love addiction? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm still learning about it. What do you think it is? Like, how does it work? How does it manifest? How do you treat it? Well, I'm not, I've only started <laughs> not to that. put you on the spot. I only just started that program, <laughs> so I really am still learning about it. But uh, I do think it comes down to a lot of fantasy, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, I could see a beautiful girl and have a connection with her for five minutes and, like, fantasize about getting married to her. And, fa- and, fan- and and there's those, there's this weird validation thing I'll do too where like I won't just fantasize about what we get personally but what other people see. Mm-hmm. Like what if we walked into a place holding hands <laughs> and other people are looking at us and they're like, oh my God, look at them. They're so, wow, he got that and that's amazing. It's like the validation from other people too. This is amazing actually to hear this from you because I know a lot of girls and females that have like my girlfriends that have had these thoughts but i don't hear it from dudes yeah very often so thank you i've always been one of the girls i've always had that skill and, and uh, this is where it comes but from. i mean i'm sure you're not the only one i'm, I'm definitely not no and that was a big thing that my sponsor now we related on was he, he has love addiction too yeah so he was like oh dude we have it so then what else so like past the fantasy then how does this manifest in relationships um and how do you like because you're not gonna not be in a relationship or not or you're not going to avoid relationships or, right or are you as you work through mm, it i will right now i'm yeah. definitely avoiding it now yeah <laughs> um i'm i'm even going through like a breakup right now and i was just like i have to do this like i just i i'm 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 the problem mm. um because well because you know i have to look at my part and it's like i will see the reddest flags and just be like I will fall in love with the potential. I'll fall in love with who mm. I know you could be. But like, it doesn't matter if you could be that. You might not want to be that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I've gotten really like, uh, like I really pride myself and I love being accountable. I love being fair. These are the most important things to me. No one has ever had to ask me to be accountable for something I did when I was drunk or something I've, I've done. And in, even in sobriety, I'm always the first person to admit it. Because I know that's the pathway back to peace and respect that might not be what someone else wants and more power to them, that's fine. I actually just thought of this the other day. I think this is great. Next time I take someone seriously and think this might be a thing, I'm gonna say, between now and the next time we meet up, I want you to write down what you think is fair and respectful in a relationship. I'll do the same. And then we'll compare lists. Yeah. And we'll see if we're like-minded. And it and we're both right. Like so you're right. So what is your list of fair and respectful in a relationship? Um, being accountable. Like, we're going to hurt each other. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. The best it's ever going to get is promptly admitting it. Yeah, I did that. I can understand how that would hurt you. I'm sorry about that. How can I make an amends, right? Um, being, don't assume. Yeah, Like, ask that's me a good some one. questions. Yeah. And I'm not a superhuman. Like, if you said fuck you to me right now, I'd be like, ooh, I don't like that. I want to say it back. Hold on, let me ask some questions. Why'd you say that? <laughs> and if you gave me a good reason, like, I'm so sorry, I'm projecting. I actually feel fine. And that might even be a better pathway back to peace than if you never said it. It could actually be a a gift for our relationship if if something bad happened and how it's handled might be better. Yeah. Um, Yeah, ask questions. Don't assume. Be accountable when you inevitably hurt someone. And um, don't, 
like, and that's another thing about making, asking someone, not making, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> do whatever you want. You have no control over anyone. You control yourself. If you want to make the list, if you think that's a good idea, I would say <laughs> make sure you're doing the things on your list before you ask me to. Yeah. And I'll do the same. Like, that's one thing I had to realize too, is like, if I'm, well, if I want someone to be fair with me and then I go, wait a second, I'm not being fair with myself. I want them to respect me, but like, I'm not really respecting myself by being here because I know that you're not right for me, yet I'm still here. I'm inherently disrespecting myself, but yeah. I want you to respect me. Yeah. What am I doing? Do you have like a, do you like make manifestation lists about like what you're trying to call in or bring in or like lists of goals or lists of like the type of person you'd want to be with? Like, have you ever done that, written it all I think out? that's something I'm kind of doing now. Yeah. I think that's something I'm troubleshooting now. I'm I've all realized. about a list. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've definitely want to move with more intention lately. And more intention, I think, looks more like, what do I want to do? Yeah. Like, what's my opinion of what something? What do you, Samuel, want? For me. For you. Yes. What is the ideal goal yeah. for you? Put it down on paper. We do that. Yeah. Work yeah. For Holly and I. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get everything we want. We do. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's like I'm really learning about like what manifestation is. Cause you have you heard the thing about how you manifest your biggest fears? I think you manifest your subconscious beliefs. Yes. So if you're believing this is gonna happen, yeah. it's my biggest fear, it's probably gonna happen. I mean, I personally have manifested all of my biggest fears yes me too all of them mm -hmm. which is kind of beautiful because yes. then you really don't have much to lose you can walk through anything i realized how powerful i was i was like oh my god i just manifested my biggest fears yeah. like verbatim yeah that's insane that i did that what are your biggest fears oh man do you want to say <laughs> um or what were they that came true i uh, <laughs> you don't have to say <laughs> i would say it's just it's way too on the nose like this person will know exactly what i'm talking Got about it. and i don't want to it's it's specific I don't to add a person. myself to it yeah <laughs> um but basically i had whatever my biggest fear in my 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 longest last-term relationship whatever my last long-term relationship whatever my biggest fear was with that it, 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 it happened yeah. and i made it come true <laughs> and I, I all i could think was I'm freaking powerful, A. B, uh, I was like, you know, my sponsor helped me realize, like, this is either the worst thing that's ever happened to you or it's the best thing that's ever happened to you, and that's up to you. Yeah. And he said, why don't you just try it on? Like, just walk around saying this is the best thing that ever happened to me. You can change your mind in a week. Just try it on. And I did, and I realized, like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. All of the worst things that have ever happened to me have actually been the best. Yeah, They've me totally too. made me pivot. They've made me look at myself. They've made me change. Yeah. They've all been a gift. I don't need to learn any more lessons. I'm good. I'm mm -hmm. good. Please don't teach me any more lessons. I don't want any more bad things, but uh, it's true. It's but the with best. the manifesting thing, like, again, like we were saying, like, uh, you wouldn't be afraid of it if you didn't think it was like a real option. There would be no yeah. fear if you didn't think this could happen. Totally. And you don't ask for the, your fears to come true. You're not like asking, hey, can I please have my fear come true? They manifest literally as they do. So what I'm learning if you want to manifest something good in your life is to treat it like it's an option that will happen and believe it will happen and don't ask for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe ask for it once, but don't devalue your ask to God, to a higher power by keeping on asking. It's like you already did that. Now live in it. Yeah. Like if my ask is I want to be a successful artist, I've already asked for it. I am it. This you is just are what it. it looks like today. Yeah. I'm on, it's happening right now. It's right this second. Right this second. Yep. You're on a podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Talking about real things. This is cool. It's cool to talk about real things. This yeah. is like the, this is not superficial at all. I it's love not it. superficial yeah. at all. I only want to talk about the real shit. Me too. I'm always telling <laughs> people when I meet them and they accidentally open up to me and they're like, sorry. I'm like, no, fuck the weather. What's What's your trauma? Let's get yeah, there. Yeah, well, I do want to <laughs> talk about present day. I want to know how long you've been sober. I want to know, like, obviously what you're working on. And I know you have music coming out, so we definitely need to talk about that. And oh, But more than anything, I want to talk about what's it been like writing songs and creating sober? Is that... Way more productive. <laughs> Way more productive. You know... How, how many years now? I have a little over two years now. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. Um, I have like more time now than I than my sponsor had when he started sponsoring me, which blows my mind. And now I'm the sponsor to other people and it's really rewarding. 
really fun to like tell someone a bit of advice, yeah. see them a week later and they're like a different person. Yeah. It's so awesome. Uh, it's given my life so much more purpose. Um, I've learned, the biggest thing I've learned is I don't like, my feelings are like, they're my inner child. Mm -hmm. My feelings are my inner child. I can nurture them, but I'm not gonna let a child run my life. Oh, that's good. That would be bad. Yeah. Uh, ch children aren't as smart as what I know. Yeah. Um, I don't have to ignore them. I want to validate my child. Yeah. My inner child, but um, he's not running the show. <laughs> um, so anything I want to feel from my life is a paycheck for work I need to do. Mm. So um, if I want to be happy, um, I have to go work on that for two weeks at least until I get the the paycheck that's owed to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It in in. The first thing that I had to do that with was loving myself. Because even when I first got sober, I was like, I had residual guilt and shame, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't love myself. I don't feel like I love myself. What's that about? And then I just one day decided I'm going to love myself. I don't care if I feel it. I'm just, I decided. Yeah. It was a decision. And I realized, wow, loving yourself isn't a feeling. It's a decision. What would that look like? What, if I truly felt that, what would that look like? I would look like showing up early to my meetings, calling my mom, calling some other alcoholics, asking them about them and not making it about me. Like, that's what it would look like. And you do that for like a week, two weeks, and you start feeling like you love yourself on the yeah. heels of that action. Also, like know? in the morning, I look in the mirror and I'm like, Holly, I love you. Good morning. I love you. I got you. I'm going to take care of you today because I love you. Yes. And it's a habit now. Yes. <laughs> and it and it works. My inset, my inner child yeah. is starting to believe it. And your subconscious that spies on you heard that. Yeah. And, and then your life notes. gets better. It does. And your manifestations come true. I do this thing. I think it's the first thing my sponsor ever said that was profound that came out of my mouth. Was I, it, I call it changing the narrative. You know when you go watch a movie... And you like see the lead character and you leave and you're like pumped up. You're like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> um, I pretend I'm like reading a book and the character's me, but I take it off of me. It's just a character. It's not me. And I'll write like what I'm going through that day and what it could look like. Like maybe it's like he woke up in the morning and he was crying. So he cried in bed for two hours. And then he thought about this and obsessed for this for an hour. And then he kind of got out of bed and like bought some groceries and like. His mom called and he avoided it. And, and then he went home and he like noodled on guitar and just couldn't get out of his head and went to sleep. And I'd be like, I don't feel pumped to be that guy. That's kind of boring. <laughs> so I would go, what would be the character I want to do? Yeah. And it starts with the words, even though, even though I woke up crying, I wrapped it up within 15 minutes. I got up, I went to the gym. And even if I was working out while crying, which I've done, uh, I still did it. <laughs> I did the action. And then I called my mom and then I called alcohol. I did, I write down like, what is a character I would want to see them do? It's not me. Yeah. And I would look at it and I would go, okay, I'm going to go do that. I just accidentally planned my day. And I don't have to feel good the whole time I do it. I don't have to feel good at all. I can feel terrible and just knock out this list. Like I said, I can, I've literally lifted weights crying at the same time. And then the end of the day comes and I get this little feeling of like, that was my day. That was a good day. Yeah. It didn't feel good. Because you did all the actions. You did all the things to yes. make it good. That was a good day. It doesn't matter how it felt. Yeah. Because, like, when you read about someone or you read about a character, they don't really talk about much what they felt while they did it. They just talk about what they did. Right. The narrative. Yes. Change the narrative. Change the narrative. So what's up with music? What's going on with your career? Where can we find you? When is this music coming out? What can we expect? Are you going to play shows? I want to know everything. Well. Um, <laughs> Too many questions. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, what I'm really grateful for is honestly, like, I never had anything to talk about. Like, I had a really, you know, I had normal trauma like other kids. I'm not like, it was nothing crazy. It's just my own thing. But I never had anything to write about. And I never cared about what my lyrics were about. Like if I got, I have some songs that I, from the past and I'm like, oh, those were good lyrics because I was suffering at the time. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But for the most part, I was about the groove. I was really into the funk and I just wanted the best, nastiest funk <laughs> going on. And whatever I had to sing on top of it, it was like, whatever, like whatever. I'll just think of something to say. It wasn't important to me. Um, and now that going through so much, so much to say. Mm -hmm. clearly i have so much to write about <laughs> and that's why i'm really excited about these new songs it's like they're just just writing in a way i haven't before 
it sounds different, but it still sounds like me. And um, like even last week when I went down to hang out with my parents for Christmas, like there was a couple days I was like, I just need to write. And I wrote two of my favorite songs I've ever written. And it took me like two hours, each one. No problem. you're like channeling. Do you feel like your, cha your channel is more open to 100%. receiving the creative downloads? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not arguing. I'm not m I'm making the song be what I want it to be. I'm letting it be what it is. Yeah. I'm like collaborating with God. I'm collaborating with 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 art. It's, uh, I'm just doing my bit and letting it do its thing. And yeah, I have this EP I'm, I'm almost done with. It's been, it's the quickest I've ever made music. Um, I'm finishing up the single right now. I'm, I'm trying to finish the vocals on this one song, but I have this like persistent cough and chest congestion thing that it makes me sound bad when I'm singing up here. <laughs> um, so as soon as I feel a bit better, I'll, I'll finish the vocals on that. But uh, yeah, I think here in about, what does it take? Like eight weeks to do a good rollout for like a, to, to like really promote something. So probably eight weeks from now, the first single will drop and then six week intervals until the EP's out. And That's very exciting. Can so you exciting. give us any names of anything? Like names song of the songs? names or EP name? Do There's you know? a song called You Always Leave Me Wanting More and then it'll go into a song called No More Fake Friends into a song That's called a Wither title. and then a song called I Would Die For You and then a song called, um, what's the last song called? Uh, the Sweetest Shade of Blue, Ooh. When Love Kills You. Which is, what oh, the, yeah. which is what the EP will be called, yeah. Sick. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited. It's very, like, post-punk. It's, like, disco goth. It's, like... That sounds amazing. It's really fun. Yeah. Good. I'm really excited. I Are can't wait. live shows? Absolutely, yeah. I want to figure out, like, I really want to make really cool videos. Like, not even music videos. Those are dead, apparently. But just, like, <laughs> a bunch of one-minute awesome videos. Yeah. Just bought so much editing stuff. I'm so excited. But, uh... Really just want to build that up first and do like online live stuff. And then I think I'll manifest the best shows. Like I am manifesting things right now. They're just people I've met, circles I've been yeah. in. I feel like I'm getting closer to my favorite artists. And write it down. Yeah. I made right. a list of like everyone I wanted to write with in, in Nashville and ended up like just checking yes. them off. It's just. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. you just check it off as you go. Yeah so fun yeah it's been it's been and really where fun. we have to wrap it up right yeah socials maybe? yeah socials where can we find you you can find me on social media um, <laughs> are you on all of them pretty pretty much Just under i'm really only name, active samuel like, on larson? instagram yeah samuel larson on instagram samuel larson seven on tiktok oh um and that's pretty much the only two i hang out on if i do others it's it'll just be advertising stuff it's not as personal yeah but those are that's where you can the find socials it. are they're hot yeah i can tell you yeah anytime i have a profound thought i try to share it and i just want to help others like you are you're helping a lot well, of people good i'm certain of it because yeah talking about this stuff is a lot of people are afraid to but it's it changes i just say this. the world if you have a problem if you have like a an addiction problem of any kind you are not unique in that. You're unique as a person, I promise you, but that just is not why. And that's something I had to come to terms with. It's okay, there's so many of us. It's literally a third of the population has a problem. Yeah. It's okay. Probably you might find more. your best life <laughs> on the other side of it. So You will find a, your best it's life. It's not a bad thing. I'm so proud of being an alcoholic. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's like... I love being awesome. an addict yeah. and like having to have had made my, make myself recover and change like and be accountable. It's yeah. a huge gift. Yes. Well, I just adore you. Thank you, you too. so much for coming on the show. Thank you show. for having me. And we'll we'll do it again sometime. I just want to I just want to get effed up and dance. This is our only chance. Happiness is fleeting. This feeling's way too good to last. Get effed up and dance. No future and